You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host for the hour. And uh, we got more trade news to go over today. Lots of injury news, unfortunately, although that does seem to be the norm. Uh, we had some very, very interesting pitching performances last night, uh, both of the good and bad variety that need, need some analysis. They need our attention. And we have the uh, debut, the 2017 debut of Yohan Moncada. Uh, since our last show, uh, since I was off on Wednesday, uh, I've also had the uh, return of Starling Marte. So uh, all kinds of stuff to get to, but let's get to the news. And the big news this morning, David Phelps has been traded to the Mariners. That has been finalized. Marlins get four prospects out of the deal, including a 19-year-old outfielder, uh, Brian Hernandez. So he's uh, probably the, the key to that deal. A uh, long, long way away from the majors, but uh, 19-year-old phenom. Uh, but they also got three pitchers in the deal, including the son of uh, Calvin Schiraldi, uh, reliever, right-hander Lucas Schiraldi, and then a couple of starting pitcher prospects, right-handers Brandon Miller and Pablo Lopez. So not you're not going to see uh, any sort of major league impact from any of those four Anytime in the near future, but uh, all could uh, you know make an impact down the line. So uh, you know it's, it looks like a trade that certainly fills needs for both teams that the Marlins uh, need desperately to restock their uh, their minor league farm system. Mariners could definitely use uh, some bullpen depth. Uh, so mission achieved for both teams. And uh, of course, we had the big J.D. Martinez trade. Uh, just the other day, uh, he made his uh, debut for the Arizona Diamondbacks and made two plate appearances and had to leave uh, getting hit by uh, a pitch in his left hand, uh, leaving fortunately with just a contusion. But he is not uh, playing today versus the Royals. So imagine J.D. Martinez could be out for a little while with uh, with this injury. I, uh, by the way, do not have a full Tiger. I'm sorry, uh, not Tigers. Uh, never mind. Diamondbacks. See, I'm getting used to this. So, yeah, no, Diamondbacks game is in progress. Uh, so, obviously, I do have their lineup. The only lineup I have uh, for the nighttime games, there are just five of them. Four of them in the great outdoors. Uh, one of them uh, under uh, under the roof at, uh, at Safeco Field. But, um, yeah, the, so very, very short slate. And not a lot of things that are going to be impacted by weather. In fact, let's just get that out of the way because it's going to be real, real quick. Uh, only weather impact is um, none of these games for the, the nighttime. All very, very uh, low chances of precip. So anyways, keep you updated on lineups. A lot more news to get to. Stick around. I'm going to be right back.
Many fantasy football players are focusing on their upcoming drafts later this summer. But the smart fantasy owner knows there's another big draft before the one where you pick the players. The first step in building a winner for the 2017 season is to draft the best team of experts for your preseason prep. So make the right selection and pick the squad at rotoexperts.com by purchasing the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. The Roto Experts roster features FSWA inaugural Hall of Famer and former Fantasy Football Writer of the Year Scott Engel, nationally acclaimed top ranker Jake Seeley, 2015 and 16 FSWA award winners Bobby McMahon and Brandon Murchison, and many more analysis with impressive stats. They bring you a draft package bursting with all pro analysis and in-season coverage that'll guide you to title glory. So pick the team to help you build the right team. Make your first important selection of the 2017 season now and get the exclusive edge fantasy football package from rotoexperts.com. Be sure to enter promo code free radio at checkout for your discount. Welcome back. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and we've got lots more news to get to, but we've got some uh, in-action, real-time uh, game action going on today. And it uh, looks like the Cardinals just dropped one in the bottom of the ninth. The Mets, 3-2. to two. Trevor, Trevor Rosenthal getting that assignment in the bottom of the ninth, so not a save situation, but... Uh, Possibly a chance for a win, but uh, instead he gets the loss. So uh, the the wheel keeps turning there in St. Louis with that uh, bullpen back end situation. Uh, I, I still do like Rosenthal's chance to uh, to stick with it uh, eventually and, and emerge as the uh, closer, but he's he's not making it an easy decision. That's for sure. So um, I'll keep you updated though. On, uh, on those games and on any kind of incoming lineups. But let's get back to the news because, like I said, there's plenty of it. Uh, I mentioned J.D. Martinez uh, not playing today for the Diamondbacks, has a left-hand contusion. Uh, Chris Bryant exited a game yesterday uh, with a pinky sprain. He will be reevaluated tomorrow. Cubs off today. So hopefully uh, this is a very, very minor thing for Chris Bryant Look like it might be bad initially, but uh, again, he'll be checked out tomorrow, day to day for the time being for Chris Bryant. Danny Salazar talked about him a great deal on Tuesday's show with his imminent return. Well, that imminent return has now been scheduled. He's slated to start for the Indians on Saturday. And of course, the subject of the discussion on Tuesday's show was really not about Salazar himself, but about who makes way for Danny Salazar. And we can still talk about that because at least for one uh, turn through the rotation, the Indians are going to go with a six-man rotation, uh, but potentially five only because Corey Kluber's next start is TBD. He is dealing with a neck issue, so he could be back in the rotation as soon as Sunday, but not necessarily. So uh, that, if you're, you're already planning ahead for uh, for next week, then, uh, you know, that that's... Uh, that's a rotation that right now is very much in flux. We don't know when Corey Kluber is going to slot back into it, but assuming he does, and it sounds like he will in this next turn, uh, you're looking at uh, at a six-man rotation for the Indians. Aaron Sanchez, unfortunately, same old story for him for this season. He left uh, another start uh, yesterday. This was uh, at Boston with a blister. So very, very frustrating for Aaron Sanchez. 
uh, nearly as frustrating for his fantasy owners. I do not have any sort of update there other than I saw some quote from Sanchez saying that he was uh, hopeful that the blister would get calloused over and he'd be able to make his next scheduled start. But uh, I think it's probably way premature to make any assumptions one way or the other uh, about Aaron Sanchez. Steven Souza sustained a hip strain uh, sliding into second base yesterday versus the A's at Oakland Coliseum. He did a little bit of uh, complaining to reporters about the, the condition of the infield there uh, being at least partly to blame. Uh, whatever the cause is, fortunately, uh, at least according to Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times, it's not a serious injury for Steven Souza. But uh, I would think for the near term, don't count on him in the lineup uh, for, uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays. So uh, we'll uh, certainly keep our eyes on that one. Freddie Freeman left yesterday's game against the Cubs early due to an illness. Uh, would expect this probably is going to be a short-term hiatus for uh, for Freddie Freeman. But uh, along with uh, you know that story, Kelvin Herrera gave up a two-run homer to Mikey Matuk yesterday and then promptly left that game for the Royals. Uh, but it turns out he had a 102 fever on Tuesday. So he was really still recovering from that. Apparently just ran out of gas. So I imagine we'll see Herrera back uh, probably sooner than later. But like Freddie Freeman, uh, you know, may, may need a little time to recover. Also in closer news, uh, Rich Rotaria has named Tyler Clippard in a bit of a surprise move. Named him as the White Sox new closer. Of course, replacing David Robertson, who went back to the Yankees as part of the Todd uh, Frazier deal. Clipper coming back uh, from the Yankees to the White Sox. I think it was widely presumed, certainly was presumed by me, but I saw this advice kind of all over the place to go ahead and pick up uh, Anthony Swarzak. Ezekiel Elliott, Carl Anthony Towns, Corey Seager. Those are the rookies of the year, much like the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The fastest growing fantasy sports network on radio is completely free, 24-7. Listen to us live at FNTSY.com slash radio or download the app right now in the Google Play Store or on iTunes. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. And uh, pardon me for the uh, early uh, end to that previous segment, but we'll just keep rolling right along. Talking about the uh, new closer on the south side, that'd be Tyler Clippard. And uh, that was was really quite the surprise to me, I have to say. I uh, thought for sure it was going to be Anthony Swarzak, given the, the struggles that Tyler Clippard had in his final week, weeks with the Yankees. 
But, um, you know, I've seen people speculate that the White Sox are trying to build up his trade value. So I think basically I, I see one of two likely scenarios happening. And, and either one leads to Anthony Swarzak eventually being the White Sox closer. And what is that Clipper pitches really well and they trade him or Clipper continues to really struggle and he gets replaced. So I do know if you pick up Anthony Swarzak, don't toss him back out there. If he is still out there, I think he's one of the better closers and waiting still to, to nab. And uh, of course the uh, Tommy Canely watch <laughs> has come to an abrupt disappointing end for fantasy owners. Uh, I've, I've been one, I've been stashing Canely in a couple leagues. Uh, I'll be cutting them loose because he is way, way back now in the Yankees bullpen. So unless you just really need his awesome ratios and strikeouts, I don't think Tommy Canely is going to be giving you a whole lot of value. Uh, sticking with the closer news, Buck Showalter says that uh, Zach Britton is now ready to close and he will get the next save opportunity. So would have thought that would have happened by now. Uh, they've been taking uh, really about two weeks now uh, to ease Britton back into the role, but apparently Buck Showalter says that he is ready. Uh, let me update you on a story that I've already mentioned in the show, which is the hip injury to Steven Souza. And uh, he had an MRI, and it revealed no damage to his hip. So uh, fortunately, and this also from Mark Topkin, and he was the one initially reporting that this did not seem like a serious injury. So, uh, you know, it still doesn't necessarily mean that he's, you know, out of the woods uh, in, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, being out for a while. But at least at, at this time, he is being considered day-to-day Steven Souza. So that is uh, some, I would say, overall, some pretty good news there. Uh, getting back to the trade market, uh, the Astros are very busy. They're apparently uh, working with the A's on a potential Sonny Gray trade, but they've also expressed some interest in Justin Verlander, and so have the Brewers. And I've got to say, this those, those strike, me, strike me as odd destinations for Justin Verlander. And I, I do think... You know, he's, he's had a disappointing season. His home splits are pretty good. And given that uh, Verlander, you know, when, look, when he's going great, you don't really worry where he's pitching. He gets a lot of strikeouts, doesn't allow a lot of contact. But when it's going less well for him, he tends to be pretty prone to some hard contact. And I think that that has gotten masked to a degree at Comerica Park. He's not going to have that luxury at Miller Park or at Minimade Park. So, um, you know, I, I can understand, certainly understand the appeal for Verlander, especially if there's some salary relief, if uh, not much has to be given up to get him. But from a fancy perspective, I don't like either of those destinations at all. Even the Astros, with, with all the run support that they could provide Verlander, uh, I don't love the idea of him pitching uh, half of his starts roughly at Minute Maid Park, which is not the, you know, the best hitters park, but it's certainly for a pitcher uh, a bit of a downgrade from uh, from Comerica to be sure. Uh, Ryan Braun is uh, not playing for the Brewers today. Uh, that uh, game is is in progress, but uh, Braun not in the lineup for that one. Still dealing with some nagging calf and wrist injuries, and Xander Bogarts. Uh, for the Red Sox uh, is back in the lineup, and granted, if you're you know playing a daily league, this is late news for you. But um, you know if you uh, don't have to worry about setting lineups today, weekly league 
excuse me, weekly league or whatever. Uh, that's uh, something worth noting. That Xander Bogarts, uh, who's been dealing with a hand issue, is back today. Boone Logan has a lat injury and is expected to go on the DL. And the A's have signed Chris Carter to a minor league deal. And I've seen it intimated by some that this is a sign that Yonder Alonso's on the way out. I don't know that it, that that's a sign of, of that. I mean, I do expect that Alonso is going to be traded. But I would think, and personally, I would hope that Matt Olson, that they've already you know got somebody that they can, can trust the A's to step in for Yonder Alonso uh, and Matt Olson. So I certainly would hope that Chris Carter wouldn't represent a roadblock there. But either way, um, it doesn't really you know change my opinion in terms of believing that Yonder Alonso's going to be going somewhere within the next couple of weeks, to be sure. And uh, finally, another minor league deal, Pablo Sandoval expected to sign one for a reunion with the San Francisco Giants. So, um, you know, I, I would not think there would be uh, any sort of near-term fantasy impact there. Of course, he was just yesterday released by the Red Sox, so that was uh, a pretty quick uh, landing for uh, for Pablo Sandoval, though I have not seen that deal announced officially yet, but uh, that is expected to happen. So as I uh, mentioned at the outset of the show, that Yo Moncada made his uh, White Sox debut yesterday, also his 2017 Major League debut. He did spend, as I'm sure you remember, a little bit of time late in the year with the Red Sox last year. It was really anticipated that he was going to spend the final weeks getting some regular play for them. And the first, I don't know, three, four games did not go well. He struck out a ton. And we really didn't see Yo Moncada again. So he is obviously going to get a much, much longer look with the uh, White Sox this year. Of course, you know, well more than two months even still left in the season. Uh, would imagine he'll log some regular time there at second base. Uh, not an auspicious White Sox debut. Went 0 for 2, but he did walk, did get on base. And this was against the Dodgers. Um, and really, there were not a whole lot of White Sox doing a whole lot of hitting yesterday. So uh, I would not read much into any one game for any one batter, uh, but especially this one. Um, you know, just the fact that he got on base, you could take as a, a minor positive for your own Mancata. But, you know, what I have said over the last couple of days, and I, I wrote a piece uh, for FanRag Sports, uh, my weekly waiver wire piece that comes out on Mondays. So that was written in anticipation of the Todd Frazier deal. It was about a day before it happened. Uh, but I included Mancata in it and, and said, you know, I don't expect him to slide over to third and replace Frazier. Uh, you know, he'll he'll be at second. But I, you know, I did say it in a 14-team mixed league, or I think deeper, you do need to go out and get Moncada because power speed threats are hard to find, even in standard mixed leagues, much less ones that are a bit deeper than that. But I did caution that owners in, say, 10 and 12-team leagues, don't go too far out of your way to pick up Moncada. Because he does strike out a lot, and you know we saw in a very, very limited uh, snapshot last year how badly that can go. Uh, we haven't seen real you know, improvement from Okada in that regard. He does get a very nice home venue in terms of showcasing his power, but he also had a really, really nice home venue in Charlotte where the White Sox AAA affiliate, affiliate is located. And uh, not great power numbers for Okada there. 
uh, even with the home splits. So I'm not, you know, at all convinced that this season we're going to see uh, a version of Yoan Moncada that you're going to be able to start a lot in a 12-team mixed league. The one thing I would say with certainty, or as, as close to certainty as you can have with a rookie, is uh, he should be able to provide steals. I mean, that's something that he's done pretty steadily wherever he's gone. So given that steel sources, forget power speed, steel sources just by themselves don't grow on trees. So that is probably your best reason to pick up Yohan Moncada is to get the steals and then whatever batting average or home run production or run production you get is really just a bonus. But also interesting to see that Matt Davidson did make the shift from DH to third base. And yet Yalmer Sanchez, who I also wrote about in that fan rag piece, is a designated hitter. And I, I actually expected to see the opposite. And for fans, for fancy purposes, it doesn't matter too much other than if you want Yalmer Sanchez to get third base eligibility. And I don't think there are very many people that are that worried about that. But his value is mostly defensive for the White Sox. So it was a little weird to see him as the DH. But it's one game. So who knows how this will play out. I still have some hopes Nicky Delmonico gets a call up. Maybe that doesn't happen till later. Maybe it doesn't happen at all, but I, I would find that hard to believe. Uh, but I'd very be interested in deeper leagues to see him get some playing time. And as I also mentioned earlier in the show, last couple of days we've seen the return of Starling Marte from his 50-game PED suspension. And he's not blown off the doors uh, off of the Milwaukee Brewers and their pitching staff the last couple of days. But, uh, you know, gotten on base a few times. He's two for eight, two singles with a walk. So, um, you know, a little bit of a, a start there for, for uh, Marte. But, uh, you know, like to see that power speed combo, especially the speed uh, from Marte. So, you know, got to give him some time. I think he's he's close to must start regardless of what he does in these these first few games. And in that same game, uh, playing for the Brewers, Domingo Santana keeps cruising along. He had a three-hit game, hit his 16th home run of the year, and his 20th double. So that was very encouraging to see from Santana, who I said probably about two weeks ago, I think just before the All-Star break, I thought he was the most under-owned player in fantasy. Uh, Of course, his ownership percentages have gone up the last couple of weeks because he's just continued to produce. I think that title now probably belongs to Tommy Pham. And I certainly understood at that point two weeks ago when I was talking more about Santana why people would be hesitant to pick up Pham. I, I had no reason to doubt the numbers. There was no argument with the kind of numbers that Pham was putting up. But there was that outfield log jam, which has since been resolved by Randall Gritchick and um, Steve Piscotti going on the DL. Uh, Piscotti could be out a bit longer. So Fam should get his playing time. And if, if nothing else, I mean, he's just he's justified it with his steady production. Uh, the one thing that's kind of weird about Tommy Pham, though, he's hit for virtually no power at home. And if you're thinking, well, that doesn't sound weird because Bush Stadium is a tough place for hitting power, I mean, consider the fact that Randall Gritchick has hit for power at Bush Stadium. Actually, I know this year, I don't know about in the past, but this year actually has much better home splits than road splits. Doesn't necessarily mean anything, but but here's why I bring up Gritchick. Because Pham, uh, last I looked, 
which was earlier today. So <laughs> I don't think it's changed, although I'm not sure what happened with uh, today's uh, game with the, the Cardinals. But uh, as of earlier today, he was leading the major leagues in average fly, fly ball distance. So you would think that that power would translate anywhere. So to me, that just looks like a weird, fluky thing that Tommy Pham is hitting for such a small amount of power at Bush Stadium. And if anything, that what that says to me is maybe he's somehow remarkably due for even better numbers ahead because it seems like he should hit for power in his home games. So uh, that, that there is something to watch. But that was quite the diversion from talking about uh, Starling Marte and Domingo Santana. But the big, big performance yesterday uh, absolutely did belong to Nolan Arenado. Uh, he went five for six. He homered three times. He now has 21 home runs on the season. He drove in seven runs against the Padres in that big, big blowout yesterday. Uh, Rockies versus the Padres. And uh, Arenado had a lot to do with those uh, crooked numbers that the Rockies were, were putting up. Uh, not a whole lot. Really, I could give you there in terms of analysis or uh, actionable uh, steps to take because Arnado's just good and should be started everywhere. Chris Taylor, on the other hand, I think you can make an argument he's just a wee bit under-owned. He had another big game, and he's been very hot lately after a little bit of a cold streak beforehand. Uh, yesterday at the White Sox, Three for four, hit his 11th home run of the season, his 20th double. And uh, that is his fourth multi-hit game over the last five games that Taylor has played. And over his last 14 games, batting 431 with a couple of homers, a couple of triples, and now five doubles. So it's not just an empty 431 for Chris Taylor. Uh, and yeah, he's getting a little bit help. No doubt about that. Anytime's batting, somebody's batting over 400, and they're not, uh, you know, Ted Williams or maybe Tony Gwynn. Uh, you have have some reason to be skeptical. Uh, but but you know the the bottom line here is that Chris Taylor, aside from a little bit of a a cold snap, you know, going back a couple weeks ago, he's been pretty steady. He's been pretty good, and he's really versatile. Lots of multi-positional eligibility for Chris Taylor, and uh, you know I. I think he fully belongs in a 12-team mixed league. He's great to have there because, uh, I mean, in a way, he sort of has been this year, not quite to the same degree with steals, but in terms of general appeal, it's been this year what maybe you hope Jonathan VR would be this year, which is somebody who can play all over the place and has been you know pretty steadily producing and, and giving you some home run power to go along with some stolen base help. Uh, so... You know, I, I, if uh, this time last year everybody was owning and playing Jotham VR, I'm not exactly sure. Well, actually, I am sure why people aren't all over Chris Taylor. And it's because he doesn't have those those mind-blowing stolen base numbers. But I think he still can help you an awful lot. And uh, sticking at the shortstop position, one of Taylor's many positions, Freddie Galvis is also pretty hot of late three-hit game yesterday at Marlins Park with his 19th and 20th doubles. And uh, now for a little more than a month, he's been batting 296 over 27 games uh, with four homers and seven doubles. So he's, uh, you know, suddenly uh, a viable shortstop option. Anyhow, more on that Phillies game to get to, more on uh, great performances in general to get to. So stick around. I'm going to be right back.
It's the summer, but you can already feel the howl of the winter wind. You don't want to go to the beach. You want to break out that heavy coat and head for the stadium parking lot because nothing makes you feel warmer than football season. But you don't have to wait for the calendar to flip a few times at rotoexperts.com where fantasy football season has already started. The award-winning team at Roto Experts has you ready for the new campaign with the return of the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package for 2017. Packed with tons of in-depth insights from the industry's top experts, we get you fully prepared for a championship campaign with a deluxe draft package that includes projections, strategy articles, sleepers, busts, a cheat sheet generator, and so much more. And you're guaranteed additional access throughout the regular season. So put your gloves on now, even while it's hot outside, and get into mid-season form. Go to rotoexperts.com and register for the 2017 Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. Enter code FREE RADIO at checkout for a very special discount. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And, uh,. Yeah, interesting musical choice because uh, All Star Game was was last week. That's all right. You are an All Star, and we'll I'll try to give you some All Star analysis uh, for this uh, segment for the rest of the show. Uh, I talked about Freddie Galvis before the break. Uh, Want to uh, go back and also talk about Nick Williams, who's also been red hot. I also in the last segment talked about about both uh, Tommy Pham and Domingo Santana, who have both already uh, played today. Well, actually, that uh, Brewers-Pirates game, uh, that one just winding up. Felipe Rivero trying to, to put a bow on that one for the Pirates. But um, Santana has an offer <laughs> for this game today. But Tommy Pham homered. So a uh, bright, bright spot for the Cardinals, who uh, dropped that one 3-2 to two to the Mets. Also, uh, Arizona at Cincinnati is a final. That's 12-2. to two. You got the uh, Blue Jays up over the Red Sox, uh, six to three. Doug Fister, neither Doug Fister nor Francisco Liriano, faring especially well in that one. Uh, but pretty light schedule today. Like I said, five games tonight. Um, no other issues for any of them. Uh, but uh, yeah, let me uh, get back to some of that uh, the hitters that I was talking about before. As I mentioned right before the break, Freddie Galvis really red hot lately so i know for a while there orlando arcia was really the 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 go-to shortstop on waivers but uh you know i like what galvis has been doing lately we know that he uh has has some power we know that from last year with the 20 homer season he's pretty much on a similar pace this year now up to 20 20 doubles so some pretty impressive power from freddie galvis I don't necessarily think he's going to flirt with the 300 average rest of season, but he has been doing that for more than a month now. Um, you know, in terms of that span, obviously not. We're not talking about full season numbers for Galvis, but uh, I think he's a little bit underrated. But also in that same game against the Marlins, where Galvis got three hits, Nick Williams got a couple of triples, and they were his first and second major league triples. But he is now batting uh, during his uh, short time up with the Phils. He's back 316, and he's got a 614 slugging. So you do the subtraction. He's two points shy of a 300 ISO. That's that's incredible. Uh, he, power is definitely Williams' Williams's, uh, most attractive thing from a fantasy perspective. Uh, but uh, he's off to a fantastic start, heading for more power with the Phils than he did uh, in AAA. But... Um, 
you know, there's probably going to be some regression coming for, for Williams, but it's so encouraging to see just in his first couple of weeks up in the majors, not skipping a beat at all. That 316 average, too, probably kind of going to come down a bit. He does strike out quite a bit, doesn't have the strongest plate discipline. There's a period about two years ago where it seemed like Williams was really making some progress there and kind of stepped backwards. So in terms of owning him in like a dynasty league, I mean, I have hope that we're going to be able to see a version of Nick Williams that's not going to strike out as much, that's going to get on base at at least a reasonable clip. Maybe we don't see that rest of season, but the power is very, very enticing. Power is not something historically that I've talked much about in regard to Denard Span, but I've brought him up a couple of times previously this season because he is, while he's not, uh, you know, hitting with Nick Williams kind of power or uh, Tommy Pham kind of power, that uh, he's hitting with more power than we're accustomed to. He hit his seventh home run on Wednesday against the Indians and also his 18th double. And he is decidedly trying for power. I mean, he's um, now he's not striking out a whole lot more than he, t- he typically does. So that's a good thing. He's hitting for average. I mean, this is kind of a weird thing about Denard Span that's kind of fascinating me a little bit uh, that I want to get to the bottom to and I haven't really had or, or taken the time to, to figure this out. That you're, you're getting the batting average from Denard Span. You're getting a few steals. But, you're, you know, you're getting, getting all this power, too. And it's in a relative sense. I mean, when I say all this power, seven home runs, 18 doubles uh, is, is not uh, you know, his ISO, I think, is somewhere, I want to say, around 160, 170. Uh, so that's not tremendous power. But Span is more of a guy that we expect like a 100, 110 ISO from. And uh, usually with a player like this, when I see this trend happening, this is a player that historically is not hit for power and does not have really great peripherals to suggest good power. That I think, oh, this is this is a potential disaster for the fantasy value. But you know, he we're now you know coming up on two thirds through the season, and Span's got that that pretty nice ISO going for him. But he's one of the worst hitters among regulars in the major leagues in terms of hard contact rate and in terms terms of average fly ball distance. And he plays at AT and T Park, so it just doesn't add up. And something's got to give here, and I'm not sure what it is, but I'm intrigued. I am intrigued, and I do think in a five-outfielder league, while the going is good, that Denard spans an option there because, like I said, you're getting decent power and decent batting average and and some steals. You're getting pretty nice all-around production from Denard Span. So at least for right now, he's he's a better fantasy player. I'm just skeptical about whether or not that's going to continue over the final two-plus months uh, of this baseball season. So do have a, a few of the later lineups coming in. We've got the Rangers and Orioles both. They are facing each other. you got Cole Hamels and Wade Miley. Uh, so it is Lefty Fest. So you got Joey, Joey Rickard uh, playing right field for the Orioles, batting ninth. And um, for the uh, – oh, this is interesting – very interesting. So for the uh, Rangers, you got Jonathan Lucroy at at the DH. So um, no Joey Gallo. You got Jonathan Lucroy as your DH. Uh, Napoli over at first. Robinson Trinos, uh, of course, catching. 
but otherwise looks like a pretty standard lineup there for the Rangers. And then we've got the Royals lineup in as well, and I don't see anything unusual in that one. So uh, you may move along with your lineup plans as you were uh, expecting to for the most part. All right, let's get to some of the standout pitching performances from Wednesday's games, and no standout stood higher than Alex Meyer, who toyed with a, a no-no against not just any team, but the Washington Nationals. Wow. Now, this is at home, so uh, there's going to be kind of an interesting split to go with that that I'll break, bring up in a second, but in terms of the line from Meyer, extremely impressive. Seven scoreless innings, just one hit, uh, seven strikeouts, just one walk. I think I'm more impressed by the one walk than the one hit, to be honest, because Alex Meyer, that's that's the one thing that really keeps me from adding him is you just never know if the control is going to be okay for him. But he's in some really amazing company in terms of what he has achieved recently at home. Meyer has now had three straight home starts where he's gone at least six innings and given up no more than two hits. I would think there'd be a... a much bigger group than three starters that have done this. But the only other two starters who have had three straight home starts with six-plus innings and two or fewer hits are Sandy Koufax, who achieved it in 1963, and Nolan Ryan, who achieved it in 1986. So add to that list Alex Meyer. And that uh, trivia tidbit was tweeted out by Bill Shaken of the LA Times. So thanks to him for a really, really cool uh, trivia stat there. Uh, but the, the this is not just the last three starts. I mean, Alex Meyer has just been beyond dominant at Angel Stadium. He has a 136 ERA in his home starts and a 440 OPS. And uh, as you can imagine, given his uh, overall line, it's been uh, pretty brutal on the road. And you, you know that's not horribly surprising because uh, you know we've seen that from you know other members of the Angel staff uh, over the years. You know we saw it with with Jared Weaver for you know a long time. It's a great great ballpark for a guy like Jared Weaver who you know a lot of fly balls and for much of his career was uh, pitching to contact. We've seen it this season from uh, J.C. Ramirez, uh, where he's been pr- pretty reliable at home, at least for stretches. But Alex Meyer, I mean, this is really something else. So just to, to repeat that for you, for emphasis, a 136 ERA at home with a 440 OPS. Um, that is just ridiculous. Now on the road, he has a 716 ERA, and uh, an 892 OPS. So literally night and day, except they're not night and day splits. They're home and away splits. But you know what I mean. So uh, it makes it pretty easy for us in terms of determining what to do with Alex Meyer from week to week and start to start. And, you know, if he could do this against the Nationals, I mean, who who do you worry about? Right. What opponent do you with the Astros, I suppose. But, uh, you know, who do you really worry about with Alex Meyer? at uh, at home so uh pretty pretty interesting start pretty pretty interesting splits from meyer and another very interesting start and one that was i think even more out of the out of the blue because his last start was so miserable was kevin gosman against the rangers 
But I feel like I've picked on the Rangers a lot this season. It seems like when, when there have been pitchers who have struggled, pitchers who are wild in particular, and also a lot of lefties, which, of course, Gosman is not, um, that, uh, you know, I've said, well, the, the, the Rangers, you know, they're not particularly good against lefties. They're not particularly selective against anybody. Uh, so I'm not sure that that is the explanation for Kevin Gosman. I'm honestly not sure what the explanation is for Kevin Gosman, but he had a really, really nice start against the Rangers on Wednesday. Uh, I'm going to have to go to break before you know it really, really shortly here. So I'm not going to be able to really you know, get out the shovel and dig deep on Kevin Gosman right now. But if you're really interested in that, stick around because we'll be back in a few minutes and I am going to do a little more digging on Kevin Gosman. Plus Garrett Cole, Zach Davies, Ari Dickey, a bunch more. So stick around. I'll be right back. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses. No strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And, uh, yeah, that is what I think it is. Anyway, I'm just going to move right along. Uh, <laughs> so I was going to talk a little bit more about Kevin Gosman and uh, his uh, interesting and largely effective start against the Rangers. He went six innings, got eight strikeouts, just two walks, just four hits, just one run. But uh, over his last six starts, including that one, almost a 5 ERA, 4.94. But talk about a mixed bag. Over 31 innings, he has struck out 42 batters, and he's only walked nine. But he's given up six home runs. But four of those all came in one game against the Cubs. And he's got a 14% swinging strike rate over those six starts. So take out the ERA and that one struck against the Cubs. I mean, that looks great, right? I mean, so uh, I... I I don't know. Call me crazy. I'd, I'd be willing to take a flyer on Gosman, probably stash him for at least one more start. But um, I think it's a, it's a maybe not as much after this great start, but I still think you might have some kind of buy low opportunity here because he's been so inconsistent. But definitely, definitely some risk involved in that one. Don't think you could uh, define high risk, high uh, upside better than Kevin Gosman right now. Garrett Cole, on the other hand, has been very, very steady. He had one kind of off start within his last seven, but the other six have all been outstanding. And yesterday against the Brewers, seven innings, ten strikeouts, no walks, just one run on six hits. Uh, and the, the part of the stat line that really stood out to me, he got 24 called strikes against a Brewers team that swings a lot. So there's clearly a lot of deception going on there for, for Garrett Cole. Uh, he's succeeding, just not... Not in the way I expected him to this year. I've been a little slow to, to buy into the resurgence, but I, I am now. But I also thought it was interesting that Zach Davies matches up with Garrett Cole in some ways I wouldn't expect. He pitched in this game as well, also went seven, only gave up one run. 
Didn't also did not walk any, or I'm sorry, walked one batter. Uh, did not give up an earned run. Uh, only four strikeouts and eight hits. So not quite as impressive as Cole, but a, a very good start by Zach Davies. And looking at their recent uh, game logs, I've noticed there was a commonality in that both are just getting a lot of called strikes. And that's not at all a new thing for Zach Davies. Um, the one thing that's different, because the, compare the two, Cole's getting a decent amount of strikeouts, Davies is not. And yet the, the whiff rate and the call strike rate, not that different. So the difference is that Garrett Cole gets a lot of foul balls, and Zach Davies gets almost fewer than anybody in the major leagues. Such a, such a trivial thing, it seems, and yet it's making a huge difference in both directions in terms of goal succeeding, Cole succeeding, and Davies, let's just say, uh, being inconsistent. Uh, all right, Dickey. Had a, a pretty good start against the Cubs. Not his best uh, of his uh, late uh, late run of uh, starts, but seven innings for him. But four runs given up in this one. Five strikeouts, two walks, seven hits. But what a mixed bag. He gave up home runs to Mike Montgomery and Tommy LaStella, but he got 16 swings and misses. That's pretty, pretty weird stuff. Uh, but he's been getting more swings and misses, which is what I've really liked about Dickey lately. He continued that against a team, frankly, that you would expect that he should be able to get some swings and misses. The Cubs do do that a lot. And uh, going across town from the Cubs, Carlos Rodon, another poor start uh, for the White Sox. Uh, lasted only three and two-thirds in this one. Five runs allowed on seven hits and three walks. And four home runs allowed. So he's only thrown 55% of his pitches for strikes. I think there's got to be better things ahead for Carlos Rodon, but you just cannot start him right now. So that wraps it up for today. But I'm going to be back tomorrow with Fan Rags' Greg Jewett. Really looking forward to that one. And this weekend, we're going to have John Heyman in the house. So uh, hope to see you then. Stay tuned for On Target, and have a good one, everybody. <laughs>